Hello, everyone out there. It's good to be with you again on this beautiful day. And we just thank you, Lord God, for being together. Lord, even though we've been separated uh, physically, we thank you, Lord God, that wherever you're at right now listening, that we are one. We thank you, Lord God, that we are one body, even across the whole world, Lord. It doesn't matter if there are continents separating us and seas separating us. Lord, we are one body and we are one church across the world. And I just give glory to him first of all, right here this day. We glorify God and we thank you, Lord God, that you are with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You still have a plan and a purpose for us. And we are your church. You're coming back for us to redeem us from this earth and to bring us into eternity with you forever and ever. Well, it's good to be with you. And I just have a word today that uh, the Lord has been putting in my heart for the last few weeks. And I actually started to write and develop this word weeks ago. And it was before the chaos really erupted. We were still going through the coronavirus uh, issue as we are still going through today. Um, but the chaos in the streets had not erupted yet. And the Lord began to speak to me about unity, began to speak to me about the church being united, about us being one and the importance of being one, the importance of unity in the body. And so uh, two weeks ago, I shared uh, a sermon just to intro into this topic. And basically, uh, you can go back and listen to that. That's two weeks ago. And basically, what I began to just start to uh, speak about is how we must first be unified with God to have unity with each other and unity in the body and unity with the church. Uh, we must first be in unity with God. And that's an individual thing because automatically, if we are in unity with the Father, Jesus was in unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit. The three, the triunity, were one working from heaven into the earth. And that is how God has always done it. God spoke from the heavens. And that is beyond just uh, space. The heavens aren't just looking up into the stars, but outside of our understanding, he spoke into this realm, into this understanding, this this place that we live in, in human bodies, even though our spirits will live with him forever uh, in eternity outside of a human body, in some sort of a new body. Uh, God spoke from that place into the darkness. Genesis 1.1, He spoke into the darkness. He spoke into the formless. He spoke into the void. In fact, if you study out what was actually happening there in Genesis 1, it was chaos. There was chaos. It was confusion. There was chaos and confusion. It was division. The earth was without uh, order. And the Lord spoke. The very first thing was, let there be 
light. And the Bible says, Genesis 1, that God separated the light from the darkness. He created a separation and then he separated the water from the water. God created a separation between light and darkness. He created a separation between uh, uh, division and confusion and chaos. And he brought peace and he brought order into the earth. And God is looking to bring that same order into the earth through us. He brought order through Jesus into the earth. He brings order into this time through the same spirit that was in Jesus, which is now in us. That is the way he does it. The way that he deals with darkness is with light. And Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. But when he was about to leave, he spoke to the disciples and he says, now you are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. We are the representation of God on the earth. We are his church, his body, his reflection, the ambassador, the light reflected from God here into the earth. So that's how God has done it from the beginning. That's how he's always done it. And so we must get into that unity with him, just as Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father were unified. We must be unified that is, individually with God, because automatically, if I am in unity with the Father, and you are in unity with the Father, then we will have the same vision, we will have the same heart, we will have the same uh, concept, plan, purpose, etc., of what God is going to do, is trying to do here, uh, establishing His kingdom on the earth, we will both and all of us together be on the same page. That will happen automatically because we are in unity with God and each of us being equally in unity with Him will then be in unity with each other. So I, I just began to preach on that and I just felt like we need to establish some of those things there. And then I was going to go right into it last week and the Lord really directed um, through a few different circumstances and kind of just happened um, that we, uh, and I could have gotten on there and done another sermon of this last week, but we interrupted it and it just seemed like it was God and it made sense uh, that we repost a sermon from Jeannie Ferranto. And you can go on and listen to that. That was last week and that we reposted it from August. And she talked about Esther, talked about how uh, that uh, that there is a uh, coming chaos, a coming uh, time that we must be aware of and awake for. And suddenly we have entered into a time that she uh, spoke about and it's, it was so timely. It was so timely that this um, sermon 
that was just sitting out there in our podcast from last August was so timely for right now. And so I want to do two things. I want to continue to speak about unity, but I also want to continue on some of the things that were spoken about in this repost by Jeannie from August. So I want to get into a couple of things here and just bear with me as I just lay some things out. But the Lord is really right now calling us again to a unity. We must put aside um, differences, but maybe even we don't recognize things as differences. Maybe they're just uh, issues that we have with other uh, parts of the church um, we're not necessarily angry and fighting about, but we've just decided this is how I do things and this is how you do things. And we've agreed to let each other do our own thing, um, which in it, in its con- the concept of that is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, we all have different homes and different families and we drive different cars and we wear different clothes and yet we're all human beings. So the fact that we're all a little bit different is fine. What we must do, though, right now as the church, and I'm speaking to our church right here, but whoever's listening to this as well, uh, that you may have just stumbled upon this, uh, we as the church right now, this is across all denominational lines, we must put aside the things that we have been arguing about and fighting about, and not even in an evil way, but just maybe even just bickering. Well, I don't know the word, but it's not so strong as like a fist fight, but it's been enough that it's kind of kept us fractionated and kept us separated. And we must come together right now. We have to come together. We need to come together in unity. And in that unity, it's a unity of spirit, but it's also a unity in prayer. Uh, There is chaos right now in this nation. There is chaos in the world. I have no idea what is happening, and I don't know what is going to happen, and I refuse to get on here and to speculate. But I will say this, that it doesn't appear to be over anytime soon. As much as we want things to move on, uh, there are new things developing, and it seems like when we look at the world, when we look at this nation, that there's going to be some further unraveling of this chaos and of this division and rebellion and this spirit that has entered, even if we just, let's just separate the rest of the world for now. We'll just talk about this nation, the United States of America. Just talk about right here for today. I know the whole world is facing things, but just right here, this is where we live We care about the world. We pray for the world. uh, But we're just going to think about this nation right here for today. This is where we are. This is where God has placed us. Before time began, he knew that you would be born in this nation, that this would be your president, that this would be your hometown. He knew it. And you need to understand that even as you made decisions to go here and to do this and do that, God knew all those decisions beforehand. And he knew that you'd be right where you are right now. So it is a call to you right now, even what seems like was random or seems like puts you in places you didn't want to be. 
You are where you need to be. You are a voice and you are light. You are a, you are salt to the earth right here and now. And so we must uh, realize that as chaos and rebellion and division and all of these things are creeping in, God has placed us here to push it back. God has placed us here in this nation in this land, even right here in the Hudson Valley, if this is where you are, if you're listening from further away, then you just begin to pray for your governor, begin to pray for your leaders, and begin to pray for your churches and the church leaders, etc. But we are also one nation, and we uh, right now uh, must realize that the Lord is um, giving us an opportunity. There is a great opportunity to uh, stand up as the church right now and shine. And it says in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 25, it says, Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war, and you may know it as kingdoms divided against itself, uh, it says, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. So what we see Jesus saying is, is that, and he, there was some context here. They were trying to accuse Jesus that he was working with Satan or for Satan. And even Jesus, uh, who uh, obviously uh, had no lack of power, and his power was not um, controlled or able to be squashed or pushed around by the devil, that's for sure. Uh, but they were accusing him of this, and he was saying even darkness must be unified to work. And even even the, the devil and the demons, they must be unified to work. There's a unity that's that's needed, and, and if it's divided, if I'm casting out would you say that I'm just casting out what I what <laughs> I'm dealing with what I already am or you know I don't have the the uh, the modern language to what they were saying but basically you know um, a kingdom that is divided against itself it cannot stand so I don't work for Satan because I'm dealing with Satan and so Jesus is saying that if we are splintered, and divided, and we are all fractured, uh, we will fall. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. To live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. If you begin to look into the language here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, uh, if you look into the Greek here, this word that we get uh, divisions, let there be no divisions in the church, is the word that we know as schism. And a schism is a split or a division 
between strongly opposed sections or parties caused by differences in opinion or belief. A schism can also be the formal separation of a church into two churches or the secession of a group owing to doctrinal and other differences. So in other words, this schism that the Lord spoke to us in 1 Corinthians to avoid uh, is uh, able to actually break us apart and uh, by because of differences, because of opinions, because of beliefs, because of doctrines, and cause us to go different directions. And on the surface, it doesn't seem like a big deal. And I believe me, there are some divisions, there are some schisms that we must have. When uh, someone begins to say that it's okay to uh, live in a lifestyle of sin and to accept a lifestyle of sin. Now, I'm not talking about working with the person and working through their issue and helping them with the grace of God to get through it. I'm talking about when the church says you can just be exactly who you are. You never have to change ever. Uh, You can live in your sin, die in your sin, and go to heaven in your sin. Then there might be some justification for some division, some schism. We still love them. We have grace for them. We have mercy for them. But we might not be able to associate with them if they are unwilling to let the Holy Spirit work in their hearts, then there might be a God-given schism, a God-ordained schism for a season while we're still praying for them again. I must say that again, while we're still praying for them and loving them. So finally, they come back into um, the right way of thinking, the right believing with us. Now, uh, with that said, even though there are some that are purposed and some that the word says must be there. Okay, that's scriptural, what I just said. While that is true, we have become way, way, way more divided and fractionated than, than what the scriptures give us as indication, as a, as a uh, rather, uh, a plan of a, as being the church of how to deal with those type of issues and sometimes it does divide us, but we have become this this uh, incredibly broken up and fractured. I've, I've said it many times throughout the last year since I since I heard it. I'd done some research that we are well over thirty thousand denominations, and if the denomination is just you like to sing songs with this type of music and we like to sing songs with that type of music, then that's no big deal. But if the 30,000 denominations mean you stay over there and we'll stay over here and we can't work with you and you can't work with us, then we've got a problem because 1 Corinthians tells us to let there be no division, no schism. It says rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. And this is what we must do. We must be united in thought and purpose. There is a purpose right now. We must look past the differences, look past the issues, 
look past our breaking down of how Revelation's going to unfold. We must look past uh, the way that we read the Bible and the way that we sing the songs. Um, uh, if God is the center, if Jesus Christ is the center, and uh, there is a particular translation or there is a particular time frame. It's 30 minutes for us, but it's 45 minutes for you. It's one song for us. It's three songs for you, etc. All those things, we just have to push aside all those things, all the doctrinal things that, uh, with the exception again of sin, with the exception again of becoming something different than what the Bible says we are. And I know that's hard to figure out in your human mind. That's why I said last week, or rather in last sermon, that we must be unified with God first. We have to get into unity with God because then he'll sort those things out. But we must push aside these things because there is a purpose right now that we must be unified for. If we do not unite as the church, and that's the church in this nation, ultimately the church in the world, uh, darkness is going to keep pushing us around. And the enemy is unified. We are so fractionated, but the enemy is unified. They are really a few. I don't want to get in. I'm not going to name particular groups today. You can use your imagination. But there are particular groups that are running right now in this nation in chaos. They are running a chaos mission. They are running uh, they are pushing their agendas, and they are very, very small. They want to sound like they are the voice of the United States, but they are not. Statistically, some of the issues that have the loudest voices out there in our media and in this nation, statistically, even though the voice is so loud, uh, there's an old saying that I've heard since I was a kid, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, okay? It's one small thing, but it's so loud that that's where the attention is put. And But statistically, their numbers are actually very small. It is a very small portion of society that is fully on board. Then there's a large portion, unfortunately, that are like sheep, and they don't really know what they believe, but they just follow the crowd because the crowd says this is the way to go. But the actual orchestrators, the actual people that have these issues and agendas that they are trying to push upon our children, they're trying to push upon us through the media, they're trying to push it even into our churches, they are a very small group, but they are unified. They are not only unified, they are also well-funded. They have gotten together they're using their time, their resources, and their energy for their agenda. And that is it. They have given themselves fully to this thing or to this idea. And I don't want to name specifics, but there are multiples, not just one thing going on right now. There are multiple fronts that have really begun even since, uh, even in the 70s, when we started taking God out and prayer out and we started changing the way that we respected human life and what uh, it really means to be a, uh, a society here in the United States, 
a godless society, those things begin to change. And uh, we begin to change what marriage was and what even what a male and female is. And these agendas are being pushed upon this nation. And as the church, you are not going to do anything by standing on the street corner with a piece of cardboard or even a well-printed billboard with a Bible verse on it and screaming at society. But they, in unity, a very small group, have gotten together and have caused a disruption to even what the family is. Uh, a disruption to what even Christians, uh, what Christians think church is. Church is even changed. It has been affected. You can't say it hasn't been affected. The church has been affected by what society has done in this time, in this nation. It's, it's, we, so many things have changed. I don't want to keep going down that road. I'm just going to move on. But the point is, is that while those things have changed, if we would unite in the way that they have united, even a few of us. It doesn't take that many. It really doesn't. I'm going to look at the Word. We're going to see in the Word how in unity there is power. The devil in his kingdom seems sometimes to be more in unity more and the people on this earth are willing to be in unity they are willing to work with him and they're even willing to use their resources again i have to say this darkness is so well funded they i i get it that that it's the little g god of this world who has given them many of their resources anyway but they're willing to give them so freely for their causes for demonic causes. And yet the church is so broken and sometimes it's just harsh to hear, but even selfish with what God has given us to use to, to, to do the same thing, but in a such a more powerful and greater way uh, in unity uh, and from, from heaven into the earth in unity in spirit and in unity in mind and in unity in purpose and in unity in resources, we could truly change society as darkness has changed society. If you brought a person from the 1920s or even the 1950s um, back from the grave who was in their prime in those years and and they were, you know, they were living in this nation and working in this nation and and uh, and building and 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 uh, believers uh, preaching and and spending time with their families and and, and etc. The whole society package. I mean, from the home to the workplace to the church. If you brought those people uh, here today, and some of them are still alive uh, uh, as well. Uh, today they're older and they're and they're shocked. But uh, if you brought that society back, if you brought them and showed them where we are at, they would be utterly shocked at how much we have changed. So the church today has a call, and uh, sometimes change is good. But the changes we have made are not good. They are changes uh, for evil. They are changes. 
that have turned us from a nation that even, uh, and, and this is why I mentioned the, that era, even just going back to the 1950s, it's not that long ago, but just going back to the 1950s, and um, many of you actually who were kids in the 50s are maybe listening here today, uh, even if you weren't a believer, and even if you didn't um, you know, uh, get on your face and repent and seek the Lord and fast and pray, you were fully aware of who God was. You were fully aware of what the Bible is. You were fully aware, even while evolution was being spoken of, uh, even then, you were fully aware of creation and you were fully aware of Noah and some of these Bible characters that just have gotten lost to become metaphors. And you are fully aware of right and wrong, of light and darkness, even if you didn't fully want to believe it. And there was just as much sin still happening behind the scenes, uh, but it wasn't accepted. It was known as wrong. You still did it, but you knew you were doing wrong. Whereas today, wrong will be right. Right will be wrong. That's what the Bible prophesied. We have come into a time where they want us to accept the wrong as normal and to not call it darkness anymore, but to call it light, to call it normal, to call it the norm. And we need to push this thing back as the church. We're going to need to pray. And the thing is that the Bible calls us children of light. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse five says, for you are children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness and the night, so we know that, but this is what it also tells us. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and clear-headed, or you may know it as be sober and have a clear mind. Be alert. We must not be asleep right now. The This very, very small but unified, well-funded group has slipped in. And I am not going to mention any any conspiratorial names. I am not going down the, the road of who they are and of even what their purposes are, but it, just to generalize that there is this there is a small group, but they have unified uh, with Satan and with a plan and an agenda to remove God and to remove his ways from this nation. And to be honest, uh, as much as I love the Lord so much, and I know that we're going to be with him forever and ever and ever, if I was to look at this nation through the lens, even though I'm in the kingdom of light and you listening are in the kingdom of light, if we were to look at this nation through the lens of the word of God and to look at the lens of, uh, of, uh, through uh, my human eyes, I know that God's going to win. But if I was to look through the lens of my human eyes, I would say that darkness is winning because that's, that's how crazy it's become. That's how dark it's become. And that's why right now I know that God's going to win, but that's what I want to speak about in the next few minutes. There is a way that God does it though. 
When this type of thing begins to happen, there is a way that God has ordained, and it's His church getting together. It's His church unifying. It's His church beginning to pray and to fast and to stand together. When an issue arises, we cannot be asleep. We cannot just watch it and say, well, God's got it. God's God. I believe his Bible. It's not as simple as that. Yes, God is God. And yes, his word is true. But when I read his word, I see that there were a people in every single generation that that uh, saw the oppression, saw the darkness, saw the issue, began to seek the Lord, began to pray, began to stand up, and they actually even uh, began to fight and push back uh, with the power of God in them and through them. And we thank you, Lord God, and I just make that a prayer right now, Jesus, that that's exactly what we must do. And Lord, I pray that you help us, even those listening right now, Lord, across uh, uh, this valley, but then, Lord, beyond, we just link together with those across this nation. Lord, that we would become the one, we would become the one mind and the one spirit, the one body that you called us to be so that we can stand against this chaos and this division that is trying to destroy this land you have given us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The enemy is unified, and I just want you to look at a story that uh, we all know very well But there is a truth here, and it didn't take long for this to happen. This is Genesis chapter 11. Really, a lot happens in Genesis very, very quickly. I mean, Genesis 1, uh, we're we're at creation. And then, I mean, by Genesis 11, we've already had Adam and Eve's fall. We've already had Noah's ark. We've already had something happening in Genesis 6. And now here we are in Genesis 11, and it says at that at one at one time Genesis eleven verse one, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia, and they settled there. And they began saying to each other, "Let's make bricks and harden them with fire." And then it says, and they said, come, let's build a great city, verse 4, for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the heavens or into the sky. And this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered over the world. Now, this is what I want us to notice. Verse 5 says something so powerful, something that we should pay attention to here. Verse 5 says, But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Now, this is very important. Genesis 11, when, when this is happening here, this is not a godly endeavor. The Lord... Uh, put Adam and Eve in the garden, said be fruitful and multiply. When they came out of the garden, they were meant to go into the earth and to establish kingdoms across the earth. But humanity decided, we're just going to do what we want to do. We don't want to be scattered. We don't want to separate. We're going to unify. In fact, if you really study this out and you look at what some of the scholars uh, say, they were not just unifying, but their, this idea of building this tower was to make war with heaven, to make war with God. 
uh, to, to, to build their own kingdom, not just a kingdom of the earth, but a kingdom that defies God. So they begin to do this, and the Bible says that verse 6, look, he said, this is God speaking, the people are united, or the people are one, and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. God said of this demonic, of this this ungodly, dark-inspired plan, he said, because they are united, even though it's not a godly thing they are doing, they're going to be able to accomplish this if I don't intervene and stop this. What God is showing us here in Genesis 11 is the power of unity, the power of uniting in the same purpose. Even a plan and a purpose that was ungodly, there is nothing godly about this purpose that they were doing. And God said that they would be able to do it because they were united. So he says in verse 7, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. They won't be able to understand each other. And in that way, verse 8, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. What darkness is actually doing is coming together again. They are realizing very quickly that if we unite, we're powerful. If we can join together in our purpose, we are very powerful. Meanwhile, the church is still trying to build their own thing. Every church on every corner is trying to do their own thing and say, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. This is our sign, that's your sign. This is my logo, that's your logo. This is our pastor, that's your pastor. We must unite with the purpose of Jesus Christ. We must unite with the purpose of the gospel. We must it just put aside everything right now. This is serious. This is 911. We must realize right now that if we don't just begin to pray for the grace and the mercy and the favor of God over this nation, for our president, for our leaders, for the people of this nation, darkness will continue moving forward. It's going to keep pushing. This thing is going to keep going. It's going to keep getting worse. But we have an opportunity to unite. And that's what the word says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, that two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a three 
braided cord is not easily broken. So Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, sure, one can do so much. One person can stand in a corner with a corner with a sign, but when you gather together two and then three, the Bible only says three here. Listen, church out there listening. There are more than three of us. Yes, we're a small church, and yes, we're the church without a, with no name, and we did that on purpose because Jesus Christ is our name, because Jesus is our purpose, because the kingdom of God is our purpose, because our vision is Jesus. So uh, the Bible says that this small church, this small group of people united together, are so powerful and we don't even realize it. We are so powerful that if we begin to pray and there's a lot of prayer going on right now, it's going to begin to go on and you just keep your ears perked up, begin to pray. Uh, you're going to start to hear about it from each other. Hey, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to start praying more and more. We've been praying individually and we, we, we have been uh, uh, consistent. We've been having our Bible study, we've been having this podcast, we've been having prayer, but we're going to get tighter now. In this time right now, in this June of 2020, we're going to get even tighter in this purpose of prayer. We're going to really focus right now, just like darkness has focused, and it's so chaotic and so crazy and and and, and so uh, wild, and yet they're unified in chaos, so chaos is winning. And so we must be unified in light, unified with the kingdom of God as our purpose. We just have to be unified with this, that time is short and we don't have time to worry about other things, about small things, things that don't matter. We have to focus right now on this thing that's right in front of us and just begin to pray for this nation, begin to pray for our leaders, I'm saying it again, and begin to pray for each other and begin to pray that this uh, darkness is pushed back. And if we do that together, the Bible tells us that uh, a three-corded strand, a three-braided cord is not easily broken. If we will join together, In Leviticus chapter 26, verse 8, I love this verse because it says, five of you will chase a hundred. Even that is multiplied. Even that. Uh, Three is better than one, right? Two is better than two is better than one. Three is better than two. And five can chase a hundred. But then it says, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. Do we see the power of unity? It says, all your enemies will fall beneath your sword. That's Leviticus 26, verse 8. If we will join together, five of us can deal with a hundred, and a hundred of us can deal with 10,000. Our power is so great, and the enemy is trying to keep us fractionated because he knows how powerful it is to be in unity. And and to and in our in our disunity is not even it's not just it's not just fighting and arguing. It's just simple. That I've got my life, you've got your life, I've got my thing, you've got your thing. And just to keep us a little separated, a little divided, just enough 
that we're kind of just doing our own thing and we love the Lord and we're going to go to heaven. This is not a salvation thing. This is not a this is not a, a, a thing about you, your personal relationship with God. This is about what we as Christians need to be doing in this nation in this time. A purpose. It's not about who you are in Christ. This is about Christ in you united together in the earth. And uh, by doing that, by keeping us just a little separated, and um, this is not about us not being in a building. We're going to be coming into a building very soon. Uh, But this is about just being a little separated in our thinking, a little separated in our opinion, a little separated in our beliefs, just enough that we're kind of all off doing our own things and not necessarily demonic dark things, but just enough so that there is no power in us. But if we just unite right now, the Lord will give us such incredible results. And just quickly for the last little bit here, I told you I was going to join together my sermon from two weeks ago and Jeannie's repost from last week, and uh, I felt like I needed to, I wasn't going to, but then yesterday as I began to look at my notes for today, um, I went and uh, began to just, uh, and I preached on Esther as well back in August, but I began to just look at the story fresh, and I saw I mean, these are, these are really elementary truths of this story, but I just saw how timely it is and how we are really in this moment. So I'm just going to read some verses very quickly and just make some very quick points to pull this together. It says in the book of Esther, chapter 3, uh, that on April 17th, verse 12, uh, the king's secretaries were summoned and a decree was written, exactly as Haman dictated. The Bible says in in Esther chapter 3 that Haman, a man inspired by Satan, uh, a godless man, a man that uh, hated the Jews and hated God's people, and that's really what we have going on right now, is it's not even a hatred for you, but it's a hatred for God, and you happen to be the recipient of that hatred. There is a hatred for God's ways, and then ultimately a hatred for God's people because we follow his ways. And so that hatred for God and that hatred for rule and law, and and listen, uh, God freed us in many ways from rule and law, but he didn't free us from the rule and law. He just freed us from the the bondage of it, from the struggle of it. But Jesus uh, is the rule and law. He, he still has a way. Marriage is still marriage. Just because he freed us from the bondage and the law and the struggling of trying to make that thing work, we have the Holy Spirit now to make it work. The law itself still exists. We're just not in a weird struggling bondage of it. The Holy Spirit is there helping each side to stay together and to work together to be a marriage that was a fight in the Old Testament. It was hard to do because it was law, but now it's the law of the Spirit. So there is a law, but there is this lawless. It's really a hatred for God and God's law, and so then a hatred for his people. So a plan was put in motion. A plan was put in motion, it says in Esther chapter 3, and it was sent to the king's highest officers, the governors, the provinces, the nobles, and all scripts and languages in verse 13 into all the provinces of the empire. And it gave the order 
that all Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. And so it says here in Esther chapter 3 that a plan was put in motion, a decree was written, and it was for destruction. It was to, to, it was to stop what God had ordained. God had ordained a people. He had created a people. He protected them. He drew them out. And the enemy was trying to take down God's people, a direct slap in the face to God himself. And really what we're seeing right now, we must realize we don't war against flesh and blood. It is not a race thing. This is not a color thing. This is not an age thing. It's not a cultural thing. This is not a sickness thing. This is it's, all those things are are on the surface. The real root to what we're dealing with is a hatred towards God and what how that is manifested in the earth is with rebellion and pride and stubbornness and it comes out in many different ways but that's at the heart of it and there are there are real issues that need to be dealt with and I am not going to even go there about the issues there is justice that does need to come in many areas and but the answer is going to be through prayer we can do some things uh, in government but honestly before you ever set foot in the government or dealing with things in written law, or dealing with changes in society, we must be so filled with the Spirit of God, so doused in prayer. We must have. We must first pray and fast and seek the Lord so much that we have His heart and His way, and then we can actually change. We can actually bring real change. Then justice can really come because we've gotten the Lord's heart on the issues. And so it says that this thing was written. And then we know that we know that Mordecai, a man named Mordecai, he learns about this plan and he tears his clothes um, and this is just, he humbles himself. That's what happens. He humbles himself and he cries and he, he, he reaches out to the Lord. And in verse three, um, it says that then the Jews found out and they fasted, they wept, they wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. Mordecai heard about it. Then the Jews heard about it and they united in prayer. They united in humility they heard what was happening and they began to fast and weep and wail together. And then finally, Mordecai, verse 13, he sends a message to Esther and Esther is in the palace. She has access to the king and he tells her something that I want everyone listening right now to hear from the spirit of the Lord. He said, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. In other words, don't think that just because the chaos is not in your neighborhood yet. Don't think that just because you're not dealing with this issue that is rampaging across our nation in your own neighborhood yet, don't think it can't come in an instant. And what he's saying is, is don't be, 
even though you are in peace and safety in so many ways, even today, even in all the chaos, most Christians, most of us as Christians, even with all this going on, most of us are still in peace and safety. Now, not everyone, and so I don't mean to offend anyone if you are out there listening and you're dealing with this directly in your town, but most, just proportionally, most of us are still in safety. And we must not sit in that place of safety and in that place of peace because it's a facade and not realize we must not be asleep as we read earlier about being light in the darkness. We cannot be asleep. We must realize right now that this issue and these issues, there are, it's multiple fronts. We're talking financial, we're talking sickness, and we're talking chaotic division, even civil war. These things beginning to develop. There are so many fronts right now that are are happening all at once that if we don't pray. We might think it's okay today. We're in a facade of peace. It's like the eye of the storm that if we don't do it now, the other side of the storm is going to hit us so hard that we won't recover. He says, don't think that just because you are in peace and safety right this minute, that it won't affect you. He says, if verse 14, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. That's because God is faithful. God is good. God is a good God. And God is God. And so God somehow, some way with someone will do it. God will bring deliverance because his word must come to pass. But God, but you might become damaged in that process. You might just get washed away in that process. I want to be part of the solution because that's what the Lord's called us to do. He has the plan, but he implements that plan through us. Go through your whole Bible. He always does it through his creation, through us. He is still God, but he does it through human beings. He does it through prayer. He even did it in the Old Testament through them actually swinging a physical sword. We swing the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. He said to uh, Esther, if you keep quiet, deliverance and relief will come. He says, but you and your relatives will die. If you don't deal with this now, God is still faithful, but this whole generation may go. We have no idea what's going to happen. God is still faithful and he can restore the nation, but it will cause who knows the damage that could come if we don't pray. And we can't just sit by and say, well, God's going to do it. God's going to deal with it. No, God is not going to deal with it without us praying He's going to deal with it ultimately, but I want him to deal with it right here and right now in my lifetime for my children's sake, for my society's sake. He says, you are alive right now, and God knew that before time began that you'd be where you're at. And so stand and pray and fend for your nation before it's too late. So Esther replies, we know the story, uh, she tells him, Uh, I want you to call another fast. You've already been fasting and praying. Fast and pray another three days. And I'm going to go see the king. And there's a great story there. That's a different sermon. And uh, there's many sermons in there. Uh, But she goes and stands before the king. And this is what happens. While this is happening, Haman is actually planning a genocide. and, And specifically to take out 
Mordecai. And this is uh, such an incredible story. And, and most of you know this story, but don't ever listen to the word of God and say, I know it. I know that story. Listen to it afresh. There's always new revelation. There's always a new joy and a peace and a hope that comes from his word every time it's spoken. That while Haman was planning this, God listened. God heard their fasting. He heard their prayers and some things began to turn around It hadn't manifested in the natural yet. No one saw it, but things began to turn. And at the very moment that Haman was going to impale or put or put Mordecai in the gallows, uh, the entire situation turned around and Haman was put on his own gallows. The whole situation turned on its head. The curse was reversed. This unity The nation began to unite in prayer. It's not just Esther in the palace. Yes, that's special. And there's a a sweet story there. There's such a special story about her and what she did there in the palace and even willing to die. But really for today, I want to really get us to realize that the whole nation began to fast. The Jews fasted across the nation and they fasted in unity. That together they began to pray and fast and together in unity they sent her in. She didn't just go in there by herself. She was sent in there so covered in prayer and so united in prayer with the Jews across the whole land. And it says that in Esther chapter 8 that a new decree, Esther chapter 8 verse 9 says a new decree was written. Exactly, instead of Haman, exactly as Mordecai dictated. And if you look at the wording of Esther chapter 8, and you see these words, it's exact, the exact words of Haman's story, and now it's Mordecai. It says it's exactly as Mordecai dictated, and then the exact wording here. It was sent to the Jews and to the highest officers, so this new decree was sent out. This new plan, a plan from the Lord, a plan that had power and authority from God, it was written and it was sent into, and uh, verse 11, this new decree gave the Jews in every city authority to unite and to defend their lives. They were allowed to kill, slaughter, and annihilate anyone of any nationality or province who might attack them or their children and wives and to take the property of their enemies. And a copy, verse 13 of this decree, was to be issued as law in every province and proclaimed to all peoples so that the Jews would be ready to take revenge on their enemies on the appointed day. And in Esther chapter 9, it says something, this is amazing. Verse 1, the two decrees went into effect. Finally, Esther chapter 9, the enemy's plan and God's plan. The enemy had a plan. They united. Uh, Haman united and he got the authority and he's got this plan and he's going to destroy. He's going to bring destruction. He's going to bring chaos. He's going to bring confusion. The enemy's trying. They're uniting. But God's plan went into effect on the same day and it says the enemies, verse 1 of chapter 9, 
that had hoped to overpower them, quite the opposite happened, and the Jews overpowered their enemies. Now, now before I read any further, I just want to make this clear. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. I am not talking about us fighting with people. This is a light and darkness issue. This is the spirit of God and the spirit of Antichrist. We, and uh, on the Lord's side, are told exactly how to war and to fight the Lord's battles alongside of him. The Lord fights the battle, and we are the voice. We are the mouthpiece. We are the ambassador. We're the soldier here on the ground. The, the Lord is the general. He's doing it. He's directing, but we're the soldier on the ground, and we are told to do it with the weapons that God has given us, supernatural weapons of 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 uh, of uh, that are not human, that are not flesh and blood. We're not fighting against your neighbor. We're not fighting against a culture or a race. We're fighting against a spirit, and you're not even you're not even dealing with that spirit directly. You are just standing as light. You are standing as salt. You're just uniting in prayer together. And as darkness begins to try to push its agenda, the light penetrates that darkness. The darkness cannot stop it. It cannot even comprehend it, depending on your translation. The darkness cannot stop the light. If we will stand and be light and we will stand with the Lord, we will stand and unite with him, unite with each other. It says that uh, no one, verse 2 in Esther chapter 9, could make a stand against them. No one could make a stand against them. Nothing could stand against God's people united with his decree, with, a, with his plan, with his purpose. And it says that even, verse 3, even the high officials, they even helped the Jews for fear of Mordecai. That's, that's significant. Even the government got behind uh, God's plan to... Uh, break apart this demonic plan. And the Jews, verse 22, it says, they gained relief from their enemies when their sorrow turned into gladness and their mourning into joy. Verse 24, Haman's son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted to crush and destroy them. Verse 25, but when Esther came before the king, he issued a, a decree causing Haman's evil plot to backfire, and Haman and his sons were impaled on a sharpened pole, or they were put on the gallows. The Bible says that when God's people united, when they united in prayer, and they united in war, and this is a, our war is not with flesh and blood. I'm going to say it again, but is in prayer. It is in fasting. It is in the Word of God. It's in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. And I preached on that some weeks ago. Peter tried to do it with a real sword, with a human sword. It doesn't work. But there is a sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. That if we unite with God, unite with each other in prayer, in fasting, and with his word, it says that their plan backfired. It got turned around on their own heads. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this sermon today. I thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us today. 
I thank you, Lord, that you're encouraging us today. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to turn some things around. That as we begin to pray together, really just unified, Lord, for a specific purpose, to bring peace back into this nation, to bring health back into this nation, and prosperity back into this nation. I thank you, Lord God, that darkness and its plans and its purposes will fail in the name of Jesus. Amen.